Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to For Fuck's Sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and the Indiana Red Fox to my left is Ellen. Yeah, okay, but let's be honest, though. In this duo, you are the Red Fox, because your hair is red and you're foxy. One out of two ain't bad, okay. Because your hair is red and you're foxy. Because my hair is red. Rawr. Rawr. (laughs) Anyway, let's fly into the Phoenix flashback. Last week, we covered the second half of Chapter 22, St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Sirius takes a page out of Molly's book and decides, when in doubt, feed people. Harry is getting increasingly depressed at the number of people thanking him for attacking Mr. Weasley. Moody and Tonks look like a hipster dad with his punk rock daughter. Among all the insanity at St. Mungo's, there's nothing scarier to a parent than a child with wings. As always, Molly and Arthur are couple goals forever. Fred and George seem to have made a business out of enabling Harry's meddling. And if you're looking for where to go in St. Mungo's, check the sign before bothering the front desk. During episode 157, stop thanking me! Our Potter pondering was... What do you think about the movie leaving out the visit with Arthur in St. Mungo's and the kids overhearing Harry might be being possessed by Voldemort? Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. How do I feel about them leaving out the visit with Arthur in St. Mungo's and how the kids did not hear about Harry being the exorcist? Pissed. And, um, you know, I'm wondering... If this is, you know, the headway into me being angrier and angrier each week. But for right now, I'm going to rein it in and just say I'm pissed off. But it's cool. It's cool. Couldn't fit that much into the shortest movie. I get it. But I really wanted to see St. Mungo's. Like, I want to see the inside of it. I want to see all the shit that happened inside of there. I'm a nurse, okay? I want to see. I want to see. Never get to see. Never got to see the fucking kitchens. Bunch of other shit we never get to see. This is up there with the fucking kitchens as I'm mad that I didn't get to see. Not even to mention the plot holes and the information that we're not getting from this, you know, that we're not getting from omitting this entire scene. But just to be able to visualize that would have been real nice. But I guess it costs too much money. Story of my life. Hey guys, it's Jackson. Here's my pot of pondering for this week. I really did not like that they left out the visit at St. Mungo's. I mean, I hate that they left out both St. Mungo's visits, but yeah, this one where they introduced the hospital. It, why? Why leave this out? St. Mungo's is an important place in the Wizarding World, and it's actually pretty important for this book's plot. Why leave it out? I mean, I wanted to see all the people with the magical ailments and which at the desk being all bitchy and, you know, I don't want to deal with this and, oh, I wanted to see it all. Why? Fuck you, David. 
Hi, Ellen and Katie. It's Megan. Pardon my sick voice. I'm just calling in with my Potter pondering. So, in short, that's not how it happened in the book. <laughs> yeah, I was really disappointed that they left this scene out. They left State Mungo's out entirely from this movie because it was definitely a scene in the book that I really enjoyed reading about. I just thought that it was so cool and it had so many fun magical elements to it. So, yeah, I was bummed. Thanks. Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was, what message does Dumbledore send Phineas Nigellus Black to give Harry? Phineas Nigellus Black tells Harry to stay where you are. Congratulations goes to Megan Slater. Woohoo! She has hit a double digit streak. Double digits, y'all. Ten weeks in a row. Mike is definitely getting nervous now mm -hmm. he was right on her tail with an answer that was correct in spirit but not word for word nope. not giving it to him and it's only two more weeks to tie him oh buddy will he get her this week and stop her before she catches him we shall see for now let's just dive into the first half of chapter 23 christmas on the closed ward and the corresponding film scenes that don't actually correspond. Chapter 23, Christmas on the Closed Ward, Part 1. Harry wonders if Dumbledore won't look at him because he's worried he would see Voldemort staring out of his eyes. He thinks about Voldemort's face on the back of Quirrell's head and runs his hand over the back of his own, wondering what that would feel like. On the whole, he feels dirty and contaminated because now he knows he actually had been the snake. He thinks about Sirius's word that he's after stuff he can only get by stealth, like a weapon, and figures that he is the weapon and that's why he has a guard. Not to protect him, but to protect everyone else from him. As he worries that Voldemort could be inside him and listening to his thoughts, Mrs. Weasley leans over and asks him if he's alright. He nods in response, but as they walk back up to Grimmauld Place, she asks again, telling him he looks really pale. She insists he go right upstairs to bed and get some sleep before dinner, and he agrees so he can use it as an excuse to avoid everyone. Instead of going straight to bed, he begins to pace back and forth past the beds in Phineas Nigellus's empty portrait, wondering how Voldemort got him to London and back, but figuring it was possible because he's so powerful. He panics when he realizes that if Voldemort is possessing him, he's giving him an inside view to the Order of the Phoenix and decides he needs to leave Grimmauld Place right away. He considers going back to Hogwarts but worries about the people still there that he could attack and decides he better go to Privet Drive. He packs up his trunk, trying not to think about how the Dursleys will react to his early arrival, and begins to drag it to the door but is interrupted by Phineas Nigellus, who asks if he's running away. Harry shortly tells him he isn't running away, and Phineas Nigellus questions his bravery and says he thinks he'd have been better off in his own house, since Slytherins are brave, but if given the choice will always save their own necks. Harry tersely replies that he isn't saving his own neck, and Phineas realizes that he's being noble, but then tells him he has a message for him from Dumbledore. Harry turns and asks what it is, and the portrait tells him to stay where you are. Harry insists that he hasn't moved and asks for the message, and Phineas Nigellus explains that that was the message. Dumbledore said to stay where you are. 
Harry wants to know why and asks what else he said, and Phineas Nigellus simply tells him nothing whatsoever. This makes Harry angry, and he begins ranting about the grown-ups not telling him anything, prompting the former headmaster to speak over him and inform Harry that this was precisely why he loathed being a teacher, and then launching into his own rant about young people being convinced they're right about everything. Harry latches onto a comment about what the Dark Lord may be planning and tries to ask about it. Phineas Nigellus dodges the question and excuses himself from listening to Adolescent Agonizing before leaving. Harry yells at the empty frame to tell Dumbledore thanks for nothing before flopping face down on his bed. It feels impossible that less than 24 hours ago, Cho Chang was approaching him under the mistletoe, and though he's afraid to sleep, he figures it must be okay since Dumbledore told him to stay, but he's still scared that it will happen again. Unable to fight it, Harry falls asleep and dreams of that deserted corridor with the plain black door, rough stone walls, torches, and other doors. He reaches the black door but cannot open it, though he is desperate to. Ron's voice calls his name and tells him that dinner is ready, but his mum said she will save him some if he wants to stay in bed. He opens his eyes, but Ron is already gone, and he worries that his best friend doesn't want to be in the same room with him after he heard what Moody said. He figures no one will and decides not to go down to dinner, and rolls over and falls back to sleep. Waking up again in the middle of the night, aching with hunger and hearing Ron snore in the next bed. He can also see Phineas Nigellus standing in his portrait and figures Dumbledore sent him to watch over him in case he attacked someone again. The feeling of being unclean increases and he half wishes he had not obeyed Dumbledore, thinking he might be better off at Privet Drive anyway if this is what life at Grimbled Place will be like. The following morning everyone else spends time putting up Christmas decorations and Harry can't remember Sirius ever being in such a good mood, actually singing Christmas carols but Harry keeps to himself and ignores Mrs. Weasley when she calls up to him for lunch. Around 6 that evening, the doorbell rings and Mrs. Black starts yelling again. Harry just figures it's another order member and settles more comfortably against the wall in Buckbeak's room, feeding him dead rats and trying not to think about his own hunger. He is shocked when someone starts hammering hard on the door and Hermione's voice calls out to him, telling him that she knows he's in here and asking him to come out. Harry opens the door, asking her what she's doing there since she was supposed to be skiing with her parents. She explains that skiing isn't really her thing and so she's come for Christmas, having told her parents that she needs to be at Hogwarts to study for exams. She then tells him to go to his bedroom since Ron's mom lit a fire and sent up sandwiches. He follows her back to the second floor and is surprised to find Ron and Ginny there as well. Hermione tells him that she traveled by night bus and that Dumbledore told her what happened first thing that morning, but she had to wait for the term to officially end before setting off. She also tells them that Umbridge is livid that they disappeared right under her nose, even though Dumbledore told her Mr. Weasley was in the hospital and he gave his permission for them to go visit. She then sits down next to Ginny and asks how he is feeling. Harry says fine, but she impatiently tells him not to lie because Ron and Ginny already told her that he's been hiding from everyone since they got back from St. Mungo's. She also tells him that she knows what they overheard with the extendable ears, and Harry is pretty upset that they've been talking about him. Ginny cuts him off to tell him that they wanted to talk to him, but since he's been hiding, they couldn't. 
Harry says that he didn't want to talk to anybody, and Ginny tells him that was a bit stupid since she's the only other person he knows who's been possessed by you-know-who and can tell him how it feels. Her words hit their mark and Harry looks at her, saying he forgot. She coolly tells him, lucky you, and Harry apologizes before asking her if she thinks he's being possessed. She wants to know if he can remember everything he's been doing or if there are big blank periods where he doesn't even know what he's been up to. Harry thinks about it and realizes that he remembers everything. Ginny tells him that he hasn't been possessed then, because when it happened to her, she lost hours at a time and would find herself places without knowing how she got there. Though this makes Harry feel better, he's still worried about the dream he had, and Hermione reminds him that he's had dreams like that before. Harry tries to insist that this one was different because it was like he was the snake, and he's worried that Voldemort somehow transported him to London. Frustrated, Hermione reminds him that no one can apparate or disapparate inside Hogwarts, even Voldemort, and Ron tells him that he never left his bed and was thrashing around for about a minute before he could even wake him up. Everything his friends are telling him makes a lot of sense and goes a long way to comfort him. He grabs a sandwich and crams it in his mouth, relieved that he isn't the weapon after all. Harry has no idea how he could have ever considered returning to Privet Drive for Christmas, especially since Sirius's delight is infectious. They all work so hard to decorate the house that by the time they go to bed on Christmas Eve, it's nearly unrecognizable. When they awake on Christmas morning, Harry finds a stack of presents at the foot of his bed, and Ron is already halfway through opening his own pile. He tells Harry that it's a good haul and thanks him for the broom compass, especially since it's much better than the homework planner Hermione got him. Harry sorts through his own presents to find the one from Hermione and sees that he got his own homework planner. Sirius and Lupin gave him a set of books called Practical Defensive Magic and its uses against the dark arts, which are going to be very useful for the DA meetings. Hagrid sent him a furry brown wallet with fangs. Tonks gave him a small working model of a firebolt, which makes Harry wish he still had his full-size one. Ron gave him an enormous box of every flavor beans. Mr. and Mrs. Weasley gave him the usual hand-knitted jumper and some mince pies. Lastly, Dobby made him a truly dreadful painting. As Harry is turning it upside down to see if it looks better that way, Fred and George apparate in with a crack and warn them not to go downstairs since Percy returned his Christmas jumper and their mom is crying again. They tried to comfort her by calling Percy a humongous pile of rat droppings, but it didn't work so Lupin took over, and they figure it's best to wait a while before going down for breakfast. Fred changes the subject to ask what Dobby's painting is supposed to be, saying it looks like a gibbon with two black eyes, and George sees on the back that it says it's Harry. Fred grins and calls it a good likeness, and Harry throws his homework planner at him. They then all get up and get dressed and head downstairs, hearing people in the house call Merry Christmas to one another and meeting Hermione on the stairs. She thanks Harry for the numerology book he got her, and tells Ron that the perfume he picked out is really unusual. Ron responds with, no problem, and then points at the package she's carrying and asks who that is for. She tells him that it's for Creature, and Ron warns her that it better not be close. She says it isn't, that it's a patchwork quilt to brighten up his bedroom. Harry wonders what bedroom, and she explains that Sirius says it's more of a den that he sleeps under the boiler in the cupboard off the kitchen. When they get to the kitchen, Mrs. Weasley wishes them a Merry Christmas, sounding like she has a bad head cold, and they all avert their eyes. 
Hermione thinks they should knock on the door to Creature's cupboard, and when Ron does, there isn't any answer. They peer inside and see what looks like a nest of assorted rags and smelly old blankets, along with stale bread crusts and moldy bits of old cheese. In the corner, Harry can see glints of objects and coins that he figures Creature must have saved from the purge of the house. Hermione decides to just leave the present there for him to find later. As they emerge from the cupboard, Sirius exits the pantry and wonders if any of them have actually seen Creature lately. Harry says he hasn't seen him since Sirius ordered him out of the kitchen the night they all came back, and Sirius figures that was the last time he saw him too, but decides he must be hiding upstairs somewhere. Harry worries that he might have left, and when Sirius says they can't leave unless they're given clothes, Harry points out that Dobby was able to leave the Malfoys to give him warnings a few years ago. Sirius looks concerned for a moment, then says he expects he'll find him crying over his mother's old bloomers or something, adding on that he might have crawled into the airing cupboard and died, but he mustn't get his hopes up. Fred, George, and Ron all laugh, though Hermione gives Sirius a reproachful look. The movie section starts out with an outdoor transition scene of some children playing in the snow in front of number 12 Grimmauld Place as a couple walks by. The camera then zooms in on the house before cutting to Ron, Ginny, Fred, George, and Hermione standing in the kitchen, watching as a miniature Santa flies by on a broom. Mrs. Weasley then announces the return of Mr. Weasley, who is wearing a purple paper crown decorated with gold stars. They both duck as the miniature Santa flies overhead and everyone applauds for Mr. Weasley. Mrs. Weasley laughs happily, then tells everyone to sit down so they can get their presents. As they open them, Harry enters the kitchen, and Mrs. Weasley gives him a gift and a hug. Sirius stands in the doorway behind them and smiles at Harry as he opens his present. Mr. Weasley then raises his glass to make a toast to Harry Potter for saving his life, and everyone says his name and drinks to him. Harry looks extremely disconcerted by this toast and looks at his godfather, who winks at him. The scene then cuts to Ron, Hermione, and Harry walking down the stairs as Hermione tells Ron that she doesn't understand why he doesn't want to wear the vest his mother gave him for Christmas. As Ron says it's because he looks like a bloody idiot, Harry looks through an open doorway and makes his way into the room to look at it. The walls are covered with a large green tapestry depicting a family tree. He finds the old house elf creature in the room, commenting on the nasty brats before addressing Harry by his full name, also calling him the boy who stopped the Dark Lord, friend of mudbloods and blood traitors alike. As the elf begins muttering about his poor mistress, Sirius appears on the stairway and yells at Creature to stop talking and orders him away. That's it. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, that's not the same thing. <laughs> I mean, it is if you look at it through a piece of cardboard. If your eyes are closed. Yes, that too. If you just switch the words around a little bit. Mm -hmm. Never mind the fact that your section was like 7,000 words shorter than my section. There's that. But also, if you like, if you take the individual letters and move them into a different pattern, it's similar. Yeah, some of the same letters were definitely used. Sure, yeah. Characters. There Char were very similar characters there in this section. There were. Yeah. There really were. <laughs> and that's it. And that's it. <laughs> we already talked last week about how they completely omitted St. Mungo's. Mm -hmm. And since this is called Christmas on the Closed Ward, obviously it's relating to St. Mungo's again, which did not exist in the movie, so... Nope. 
not a that's bit. not going to correspond no this half of the chapter also doesn't yet get to saint mungo's yeah and technically what does happen in the movie kind of corresponds kind of i use that term very loosely right i mean with the second half of this chapter but it also really doesn't yeah on the upside it's christmas in both it is christmas in both ding yay I'm going to go to sleep now because that's all I got to do. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the book chapter starts with Harry figuring that Dumbledore doesn't want to look at him because he's going to see Voldemort in his eyes. Yeah. Which that which, would be creepy. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Not the actual reason, which we will learn later, but right? <laughs> I can see why Harry's gotten to this point. Yeah. He also feels dirty because the idea that he's being possessed means he was actually the snake so he definitely feels violated at this point well yeah i mean that's totally understandable i think i don't blame him for these feelings Mm -hmm. but these feelings are also born out of ignorance because nobody (laughs) dumbledore will fucking tell him anything (laughs) that was slick and i love dumbledore i do but he really did fuck this up and he admits it later but he really did fuck this up honestly man he just it would have been so simple, right? But we would have had a much shorter book, I think, so. And would that have necessarily been a bad thing? I mean, they made the movie shorter. Yeah. <laughs> less for us to enjoy, though. So Less Caps that. Lock Harry. Less Caps Lock Harry. Yeah, less angsty teen. Oh, much less yeah. angsty teen. But then again, you know, I'm sure he would have found a way to fuck things up somehow otherwise, but... I'm sure he would have meddled in something he yeah. ought not to meddle in. He just would have been more well-informed while doing it. That's right. all. You know. Which honestly would probably have led to more meddling. Mm-hmm. Meddling does breed more meddling. Yes. yes. <laughs> he thinks about Sirius's word about Voldemort being after stuff he can only get by stealth like a weapon. Mm-hmm. And now comes to the conclusion that he is the weapon. Yeah. Which also makes him think that his guard is not to protect him, it's to protect others from him. Which I can't really blame that logic. Again, it is understandable logic, but it is based in ignorance. Yeah. I mean, it's perfectly understandable logic. It's just strictly because he doesn't have the whole picture. Yeah. Which is on Dumbledore, once again. (laughs) Yeah. Because Dumbledore is the one telling other people not to tell him what's going on. Dumbledore's also the person not telling him what's going on. All to avoid something that ends up happening anyways. Right? Probably worse than it would have happened. Yeah. <laughs> the Had beans Harry been, been just spilled. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Anyway. The movie kind of touches on Harry thinking about Sirius's words because it did have him hearing them again in the dream. Mm-hmm. So it's not really a ding. But at least, a, I don't know, like a, a callback, a reference? A, yeah, something. Buh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they definitely put it in there again. Because mm-hmm. he said it once, they referred back to it. Maybe even more than once. Yeah. That is the closest thing that I found to an actual similarity in this section. I mean, even that was a couple minutes ago in the movie. So it was... Yeah, there's that too. Not entirely the same thing, but yeah, it's the only way that you can connect the two. So we're going with it because that's what we do. But in this moment, he's also worried that Voldemort's just like basically hanging out his head and looking through his eyes and watching everything that's going Mm -hmm. on. Like he wouldn't notice that, but... Right. (laughs) Harry, there's a reason you're not in Ravenclaw. Right. Seriously. But Mrs. Weasley leans over Ginny to ask him if he's all right. And he just nods because... 
he what probably he can't do? find words. It's not like he can be like, no, I'm not all right. I'm being possessed by Voldemort. Right. <laughs> How that, do you know that? That is a floodgate to not open right now. Oh, extendable ears survived, did they? Fred George! Like, <laughs> right. yeah, not a can of worms he wants to open. No. So he just nods, and they make it back to Grimmauld Place, but as they're walking in, she asks him again, like, are you sure you're all right? You look really pale. Mm-hmm. Sadly, she did not use the term peaky again. Unfortunately, fun, right? yeah. Peaky? <laughs> but she ends up telling him that he probably needs more sleep and sends him straight up to bed so he can get some before dinner. And he's like, yeah, okay, that's cool because I was looking for an excuse to avoid everybody anyway. And here it is built right in. Yes, I'm going to go sleep. And of course, he doesn't go sleep. He goes up to his room and he paces back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and comes to the conclusion that Voldemort is probably powerful enough to transport him out of Hogwarts into London and back in a short span of time. But he has no idea how he would have done it. I mean, he doesn't have any idea how many people do a lot of things. It doesn't mean they don't do them. Right? He's not finished with his education at this point. Uh, Yeah. Also, in this moment, he comes to the conclusion that if Voldemort is possessing him, he's literally giving him an inside view of the Order of the Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Or, at this particular moment, his bedroom at the Order of the Phoenix. Right. But he decides that he's just got to get out of Grimmauld Place. Mm -hmm. And first he thinks about going back to Hogwarts, but then realizes that there are still people who stay there over the holidays and it could put them in danger which i'm again his logic here is non-ravenclaw-esque because no dude you were at hogwarts and attacked somebody in london according to what you're thinking right now Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter where you are if that's the case yeah you're not helping yourself if that's really what's going on yeah he's not thinking this through but he's also emotional and it's understandable yeah, he has no answers. He has no idea what's really happening. Yeah. His mind's all over the place. Completely. Yeah. But he doesn't want to put the people at Hogwarts at risk, so he settles on going back to Privet Drive because fuck the satchels of assholes. Right? You kind of want to lead Voldemort to them. Just right? Just be like, uh, sick him, boy. Like, <laughs> get him. Or maybe he just wants to really mess with Voldemort and, like, start watching Dudley every time he bends over or something and, like, ha look at this fucker. Hey, there's still a pig's tail. I thought they got that removed. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. He starts packing up all of his things, tries to not think about the Dursley's reaction when he shows up six months before he's actually supposed to. Right. And then starts dragging his trunk to the door, but he's interrupted by none other than... Phineas Nigellus, who from his portrait goes, you're running away. No, I'm just looking for a new home. What? What? Leave me alone. (laughs) Basically, he says he's not running away. And Phineas Nigellus then questions his bravery. That's one thing for Phineas to be doing. Flat out says to him, you know, I thought Gryffindors were supposed to be brave. You'd be better off in my house. Slytherins are brave, but we're also going to save our own asses when it comes down to it. That's a big old fact. (laughs) (laughs) Harry is not having any of this. He just explains that he's not trying to save his own neck. And this makes Phineas realize that, oh, this is noble. You're trying Mm -hmm. to protect everybody else. Oh, this is for the greater good. I see. Mm. It's very Gryffindor. Stay the fuck away from my house. (laughs) (laughs) But he tells him that he has a message for him from Dumbledore. So Harry immediately turns around. He's like, what did Dumbledore say? Please tell me something, anything I need to know. Phineas says, stay where you are. Yeah, and? Yeah, Harry's just like, I haven't moved. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What's the message? 
Yeah. Tell me. And Phineas is like, I did tell you. That was the message. Dumbledore said, stay where you are. Which was our trivia question, but also an incredibly open-ended shitty thing to say. Like, that's a stupid message to give. Accurate on both counts. Yeah. And? What else? That's Exactly. Naturally, Harry wants to know why he's being told to stay where he is. Yeah. What else did he say? And Phineas is just like, nothing. That's it. That's the oh. message. Oh, the man hasn't talked to you all year, and yet you think he's going to talk to you through me? Like, you think he's going to tell me shit to tell you? No, dude. He doesn't even give him that. Just says nothing whatsoever. Yeah. Like, he actually says the words nothing whatsoever. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say nothing whatsoever. He says nothing whatsoever. Oh, I got you. Yeah, That's... just trying to make sure that was clear because that was That's... confusing in my own brain. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Harry understandably gets angry because caps lock Harry. Well, yeah. And he starts ranting about how that's the exact same thing that they said to him when he got attacked by Dementors. All of the grown-ups are like, just stay where you are. Don't do anything bad. Blah, blah, blah. And will anybody tell him anything? No, nobody will tell him fucking anything. He just wants to know what's going on. To be fair, that did all work out in the end, really. So there's that. But not without a little bit of stress and finagling, though. I didn't say it worked out (laughs) stress-free. That's not what we're here to do, Ellen. Fair enough. But Harry's rant sets off a rant of Phineas Nigellus, who, as a former educator, starts talking about how this is exactly why he loathed teaching, because young people always think that they're right, and blah, 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 blah. And, I mean, I get it, man. He's not wrong. I get it. Like, especially at that teenager age, mm-hmm. you they think, think you they know have the everything. answers to everything. And yeah. I'm like, oh... Sweet summer child, just because you know more bad words than me does not mean you know more than me. Also, you (laughs) You don't don't know more bad words than me. Listen to my podcast and you'll see. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or don't, because I don't want to get fired. Bad words. (laughs) Right. He makes some comment about whatever the Dark Lord may or may not be planning, and Harry, being unable to not meddle, just immediately goes, oh, so he is planning something with me? Mm Mm-hmm. Which... I don't blame him at all. Like, it no. makes perfect sense that he's trying to get any information that he can. Because Phineas Nigellus totally hears things in Dumbledore's office. He mm-hmm. knows more than he's letting on. Oh, yeah. And I don't blame him for trying to get anything, even just a little nugget of something. Oh, yeah. Just like, oh, you don't say. Hmm, go on. Maybe I can haggard this out of him. Right? <laughs> exactly. But naturally, the former headmaster just dodges the question and says, I'm done listening to adolescent agonizing and walks out the side of the portrait and disappears. So Harry just yells at a now empty frame. Sure. To thank Dumbledore for nothing, (laughs) which basically, yeah, that was next to nothing. Yeah, I don't blame him, really. And then he just flops face down on his bed. Mm -hmm. First, his brain wonders how it was just 24 hours ago that Cho Chang was coming to kiss him under mistletoe. Mm-hmm. And now he's here in this situation, afraid to sleep. Though he figures if Dumbledore's telling him to stay where he is and not saying anything about don't fall asleep, it's gotta all be okay. But he's still terrified that he's gonna fall asleep and attack somebody. It's never easy to go back to sleep after you've had a nightmare. No, it's not. And this is literally a nightmare that he found out was a thing that happened. This was real. This was a nightmare come true. And at the very least, Dumbledore could have said, this was not your fault, Harry. Mm -hmm. You just witnessed it because of this connection you have with Voldemort. Yeah. 
That gives zero away, but comforts Harry right. perfectly. Fucking comfort Harry. There's nothing wrong with that. Anyway, as per Norm, for someone who has stayed awake for 20 hours straight, he falls asleep. Sure. And right back into the dream of that deserted corridor with the plain black door and the rough stone walls and the torches and the other doors that, you know, looks nothing like the corridor they show us in the movie. You know, shiny tile and whatnot. Right, and weird. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But black, so they used the same color in a sense. Ooh. Yeah. Way to keep things on theme. Right? The mood is there. <laughs> It's like when you update your computer and everything is essentially the same, but not at all. No, it's like every single time I go to fucking use Facebook again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Book to movie is the way Facebook keeps updating shit. Yeah. I liked it the way it was before. Why did you change that? <laughs> right. But anyway, in the dream... He makes it to the door, can't get it open, and he just feels this desperation to open the door. Like, that is all that he wants out of life. Mm -hmm. There is no inkling of Cho Chang or anything else. He just wants to open that door. What's in the door? Exactly. What's through the door? <laughs> and then he hears Ron calling his name, hmm. kind of wakes him up from the dream, tells him that dinner's ready, but his mom did say she'll save him something if he wants to stay in bed. By the time Harry opens his eyes, Ron is gone, and Harry is now convinced that his best friend just wants nothing to do with him, is afraid to be in the same room with him, and he's just like, I'm not going to subject everybody else to my presence, because I'm sure they're all feeling that way. And he just rolls over and goes back to bed. Oh my god, that's just how I feel normally. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I like your presence. Harry. Oh, goodness, thank you. Anyway. But he falls back asleep, and by the time he wakes up again, it is middle of the night, like wee early hours of the morning, <laughs> and he's starving. Well, yeah, yeah. Because now he it. hasn't had anything since the lunch. Mm -hmm. First he's overtired, now he's over hungry. Right. Pretty soon he's just going to be over everything. I think he is over yeah, everything. Never mind. Yeah, board. that's already... He's definitely over Dumbledore shit. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. But he's starving and he can hear Ron snore in the next bed, which really should tell him that if your best friend is not afraid to sleep in the same room as you, mm -hmm. you're fine, Harry. You're yeah. being stupid. Like, you're good. You're good, but whatever. He notices out of the corner of his eye, too, that Phineas Nigellus is standing in his portrait again and just naturally assumes that Dumbledore sent him to watch him in case he attacks somebody again. Or when really... maybe he sent him to watch him to make sure he doesn't just have a bad dream again. Yeah. Or make sure he stays put like right. he fucking told him to do. Harry, 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 Harry. You are just overthinking this, my dude. Harry, 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 Harry. Instead of Harry, 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 it's just Harry, 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 Harry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of wishes he hadn't listened to Dumbledore's order and just left. Yeah. Figuring that life would be better at Privet Drive if this is what it was going to be like at Grimmauld Place. Right. Harry, you're doing this to yourself right now. Mm-hmm. But whatever. Sir, get out of your head, man. He really needs to. Oh, my gosh. He's just like, fuck y'all and this popsicle stand. I'm out. And it's just, dude, just fucking sit down. Just sit down. Take a chill pill. Yeah. Go read a fucking book. Do something. The next morning, he wakes up basically avoids everybody again like he does right mm -hmm. he can hear everyone putting up the christmas decorations and sirius is like singing christmas carols he's in such a good mood having everybody there mm -hmm. and he does acknowledge that he's never really ever seen or heard sirius be that happy yeah 
but he still can't join in. He's still right. just woe is me and even ignores Mrs. Weasley when she calls to him to come get lunch. And it isn't until six that evening. Hmm. So now we're looking at an entire day and a half yeah. almost that he still has not eaten. Yeah. He's just hiding from everybody. Six that evening, the doorbell rings and Miss Black starts yelling and Harry's just like, whatever, it's just another order member. And he just stays where he is. He's currently hiding out in Buckbeak's room, which I love the fact that they're calling it Buckbeak's room because right. it was Sirius's mother's room. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just hanging out in Buckbeak's room, feeding him dead rats and probably on some small level, considering eating one himself, he's so hungry. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> or just being like... I wonder how wide I could open these windows. Could you fly out if right. I open the window wide enough and we could just go fuck off and go to McDonald's? I don't know if they let that through the drive-thru. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you can't go on foot, but can you go on animal feet? Can you go on horsey bird back? Hor <laughs> horsey bird back. That sounds like a weird sex position. Let's move on. Try saying that, though. I would rather not. But it's going to be the episode title. Horsey bird back. Horsey bird back. Horsey bird back. Horsey bird back. It's kind of weird to say, isn't it? Horsey bird back. Anyway, <laughs> horsey bird back. He's really surprised when somebody starts banging on the door to the bedroom. Mm -hmm. And then it's Hermione's voice that's just calling out, Harry, I know you're in there. Mm -hmm. Open up. I want to talk to you. And he's so surprised that Hermione's there and the fact that he has to meddle, I'm sure, is the only thing that got him to open the door. Right. Because the first thing out of his mouth is, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be skiing with your parents. Mm -hmm. If there's one way to get Harry's attention, it's make something a mystery. Right? He's Honestly. got to solve it. Yeah. But she explains that skiing isn't really her thing, so she's come for Christmas you know, lying to her parents and telling them that she has to stay at Hogwarts because anybody serious about their exams is staying there to study. Which probably isn't super far from the truth. In another less insane year, right. that would be Hermione. Probably, yes. You know? She also asks him not to tell Ron because he's been making fun of her from the moment he found out she was going to be going skiing and was trying to tell him that it's really good. I love skiing. It's great. And now that she's having to admit to Harry that it's not her thing, she's like, don't tell Ron. Yeah. I just had to justify this for like three weeks. Could right, you like, on, just please, don't mention don't, it. Don't, just don't, don't bring it up. Right. But she tells Harry to go back down to his bedroom and he follows her down there. And is surprised to find Ron and Ginny waiting for him in there. Mm. As well as a fire and sandwiches. But he's still not ready to eat. And I've been yeah. there, so I get it. Mm -hmm. But she tells him, you know, icebreaker. <laughs> I traveled here by night bus and Dumbledore told me what happened first thing this morning. But I had to wait for the term to officially end before I could leave. She also lets them know that Pepto Bitch Ma is pissed mm -hmm. that they got away without her even knowing about it, like right under her nose. They just, bye. They just fucked Where'd off. Where'd they go? They left before terminated. What's going on? Yeah. And you know that on some level, she knows that was under very suspicious circumstances. Oh, yeah. She knows damn well. And we know from this part that Dumbledore told her exactly what happened to Mr. Weasley and says that he gave them permission to leave. Mm -hmm. But we still don't know what McGonagall actually said to explain why they were out of bed at that point. Yeah. Because at that point, nobody knew about Arthur. It had just happened. Right. So no one had any idea what the hell was going on. He wasn't even at St. Mungo's yet. Why would they have gone before anyone even knew? So I'm sure that they had to say something about 
some reason they had to meet with Dumbledore and maybe they were in the office when they got the news or something. I don't, I would love something. to know how they finagled that one. I'm yeah. very curious. Completely unimportant to the actual plot. I just want to know. Right? If I had this backstory, no questions would be answered for me, but I'd still be happier somehow. Right? <laughs> well, the more things you can tell me about Harry Potter, the happier I well, am going to be. Exactly. So. Very true. Yes. But anyway, Hermione sits down next to Ginny and directs the subject to the main one at hand and wants to know how Harry's feeling. Mm -hmm. He says he's fine. And she just flat out says, don't lie to me. Right. I know you're not fine. Ron and Ginny already told me that you've been hiding from everybody since you got back from St. Mungo's. And I know what y'all overheard with the extendable ears. You're not fine. Like, dude... Do you understand? I read you like a book and I read books well. Yeah. Yeah. You're not challenging to me. All Harry gets out of this is that they've been talking about him behind his back. Which, I mean, what do you expect him to do? And that's exactly what Ginny said. She says, well, we wanted to talk to you, but you wouldn't talk to us. And he's like, well, that's because you wouldn't look at me. And she's like, no, you wouldn't look at us. And Hermione <laughs> says, maybe you guys have just been taking turns looking at each other and missing. <laughs> Kind of laughs about it. Mm -hmm. But Harry ends up saying that he didn't want to talk to anybody. And Ginny just flat out tells him. I love this moment. In this fiery, redheaded, badass Ginny sense. Mm -hmm. Well, that was a bit stupid considering that I'm the only other person you know that's been possessed by Voldemort. Like, oh shit. She just threw down. Yeah. She straight up threw down. Literally talk to me because I can tell you what it feels like. Yeah. Dude. You're not special in this route, I hate yeah. to tell you. And this hits Harry like a bucket of ice water because he just goes, oh, I forgot. Mm-hmm. Which she says, yeah, lucky you. I, <gasps> I love Ginny in this moment. I can remember very vividly reading this book for the first time and just going, yes, you fucking tell him. Like, And this was one of the moments where I felt like they really started to build up their relationship. Yeah. Because... I always, from the beginning, with Ginny's crush on Harry, the fact that she's a redhead and Harry needed to be part of that family, I always figured this is where it was going to go. Yeah, you always saw it coming. But this was the moment in this book that you start to see Ginny has moved on from her childish crush so she can mm -hmm. develop real feelings and they start setting her up in a way as an equal to him. Yeah, because she's not just the starstruck little girl yeah and now who's... she's taken over as seeker on the quidditch team mm -hmm. and now she's reminding him that she's been fucking possessed by voldemort yeah she's if coming to her own anybody in this world who understands harry it is her mm -hmm. she is the only other person who can say definitively no this is what it felt like and you are not alone I think it did a real disservice to their relationship to leave this out. It did a disservice to their relationship. It did a giant disservice to Ginny's character in general. Oh, God. Let's not even go like, there. <laughs> oh, this is why Ginny is my favorite book character. I officially want to do a Potterheads of History because it has been a while and talk about how the movies did her dirty. What? You want to do a Ginny-centric episode? Well, sign me the fuck up. Oh, I already did. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, you did that like three years ago. <laughs> Speaking of which, it was our anniversary recently. Oh my gosh, it was. Mm -hmm. Aww. Aww. It's officially three years now, isn't it? Yeah, three years. Wow. 
we started this as bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, 30... 30... 30... 30... Yep. And now we're wise old 30... Olds. Anyway, back to the story at hand. (laughs) Harry realizes that he's been an asshole in this situation. About time. Because he's not completely clueless. Just Mm -hmm. a little clueless. Depending on the topic. But he gives a very sincere apology. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Like, oh, I fucked up. I fucked that up. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Do you think I am being possessed? (laughs) While we're on the subject. Yeah. Yeah. About that. (laughs) So she wants to know if he can remember everything he's been doing or if there are any big blank periods. Mm Mm-hmm. And there aren't. Harry has been fully conscious he throughout remembers all, all of this of stuff. It. He remembers yeah. everything. No big blank spots in his life mm-hmm. and tells her this. And Ginny is able to comfort him by letting him know that then he has not been possessed. Yeah. When it happened to her, she had hours that would just disappear and she would wake up in places and have no idea how she got there. Mm-hmm. And she'll have, like, realized she did things and be like, what? I am covered in paint and feathers. What the hell's going on? Yeah. What the actual fuck just happened? Because I was fine two minutes ago, right? But somehow now it's dinner time and what is going on? But Harry hasn't had that. No. He remembers everything he saw through the snake's eyes. He remembers all of that. Honestly, it's more like he's, I don't want to say possessing Voldemort. Mm -hmm. He's just, like, doing a ride-along. Yeah. He's like riding bitch in Voldemort's brain. Yeah. Basically. Race car passenger. <laughs> He's sidecar. Yeah. Sidecar Harry. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this does actually make him feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But he's still really concerned about that dream. Yeah. And the fact that he was the snake. Yeah. And this is when Hermione steps in with the cool Hermione logic. She just Hermione's that shit. <laughs> Hermione is now a verb. I like it. Anyway, she reminds him that he's had dreams like that before. And Mm -hmm. Harry says that it wasn't like that, though. This one was different. He was the snake. And he's worried that Voldemort was somehow able to transport him into London. Yeah. And then we get the, you know, Hermione sigh. Dude. Harry. Dude. Are you ever going to read Hogwarts a history? You can't apparate or disapparate inside of Hogwarts. Even Voldemort can't do it. Which I get what she's saying, but at the same time, it's not like it's the first time in the series where Hermione's been like, oh, Harry, that's not possible. And then by the end of the book, you're just like, oh, by the way, this is totally possible. Oh, yeah, this happened. Yeah. I was wrong. (laughs) No, I can see how he's still worried. Yeah. But it's actually Ron who has the thing that really hits the nail in the make Harry feel better coffin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that a coffin? That's or... what I'm going with. All we're, right. We're burying his concerns. We're... Oh, fuck you. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> but Ron tells him that he was literally thrashing around in his bed for a solid minute before they could get him to wake up. He mm-hmm. says, you you never went anywhere. Yeah. You were in your bed the whole time. You did not leave Hogwarts. Yeah. And it was just like this huge weight being lifted off of his shoulders. And he's just like, I'm not the weapon after all. And then just grabs a sandwich and crams the whole thing in his mouth because he's fucking hungry. Sure. Yeah. While the rest of them are like, if only you'd have come to us sooner. Right? Like, you just starved yourself for a day for nothing. Yeah. 
dude, will you maybe understand now that you can come to us instead of just being a little bitch by yourself? Did he ever actually officially learn that, though? No, he never, <laughs> he never, did, not through the entire fucking no. series, no. However, he improves on it a little bit. <sighs> Men. He definitely has a bit of a loner hero complex, though. He does. But weight is off his shoulders. We have hit that last nail in the coffin to bury Harry's concerns. Mm -hmm. And now he's like, why the fuck did I ever think that I wanted to go back to Privet Drive? Right. <laughs> Especially since Sirius is still in such a good mood. It's just infecting everybody. And they're all so excited about Christmas. And, you know, their dad's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And Harry's not being possessed. And presents and like they're it's all together a good day yeah. yeah so they spend the rest of the time leading up to christmas just decorating the house and by the time they're going to bed on christmas eve it's completely unrecognizable like the spider webs are gone everything's polished there's decorations everywhere and it just looks like a different probably far less gloomy place mm -hmm. they even put santa hats on the house elf head <laughs> the stairway <laughs> That is an excellent use of taxidermied house elephants. Yes, I love yeah. it so much. <laughs> anyway, on Christmas morning, Harry wakes up and finds his stack of presents at the foot of the bed. Mm -hmm. Ron, of course, is already halfway through opening all of his presents. Sure. And he thanks Harry for the broom compass he got him because it's significantly better than the homework planner Hermione got him. <laughs> Harry goes through his own presents and finds that Hermione also gave him a homework planner. But so at least she's consistent. I sense a theme. You know she bought herself one too. Oh yeah. But he does actually get some really great gifts this year. Mm -hmm. Sirius and Lupin gave him a set of books called Practical Defensive Magic and its uses against the dark arts. That had to be really interesting. Yeah, and it's going to be absolutely perfect for planning lessons for the DA meetings. Sure. Yeah. He got a furry brown wallet with fangs from Hagrid. Which he assumes was going to be some kind of anti-theft device, but he can't even put money in it without getting his fingers chewed on. I mean, it works just a little too well. This is the wallet you use when you need to stop yourself from spending money. <laughs> <laughs> I need one of those right now. Right? This is the wallet that you put the maxed out credit cards in so you don't keep charging things to them. Damn internet for saving them for me on yeah. certain sites. <laughs> That's literally, why I, that's literally why I choose not to save card numbers just oh. because I'm like... It's it, so convenient. I know, but I need to have that moment of like, do I really need this? Tonks gave him a small model of a firebolt that actually works. So he just watches it fly around his room. That's fun. And just kind of misses his own broom. Right. He's probably like, can I like engorgio this and right? make it bigger and just use it myself? Or... <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> Moving on. Please move on. Can we move on? I'd like to move on. He got an enormous box of Birdie Bots Every Flavor Beans from Ron. Nice. Who loves to get Harry candy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Ron doesn't buy Harry presents. He buys him and Harry presents. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mr. and Mrs. Weasley, and by Mr. and Mrs. Weasley, I'm pretty sure it's really just Mrs. Weasley, <laughs> gave him his usual hand-knitted jumper and mm -hmm. some mince pies. You know she made all of that and just puts Mr. Weasley's name on it. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a mom thing. Yeah. That's just... Hell, that's just a wife thing. Right. I've been doing that for Steve since ever. And then the last present that he got, which isn't really as good as the other ones, Hermione's homework planner might be better than it. Hmm. 
Because it is a painting from Dobby. Clearly made by Dobby. It's good to have a hobby. And it's just dreadful looking. It's a hobby for Dobby. <laughs> Dobby's hobby. <laughs> he can go to the room of requirement and call it Dobby's Hobby Lobby. That he can fund because he has a jobby. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I would take Dobby's painting over Hermione's homework planner. Well, he's turning it upside down to see if maybe it looks better that way. (laughs) And at this point, Fred and George apparate in. Mm -hmm. And first, they just warn him not to go downstairs yet because Percy sent back his Christmas jumper without a note or anything. So Mrs. Weasley's just bawling. Oh, dude. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. And that hits harder with something handmade, too. Fuck right off, Percy. Yeah. Honestly. Like, you didn't have to send it back. Frank, don't wear it, but don't fucking yeah. send it back. Don't wear it. Throw it away for all we fucking care. Set it like, on fire. Yeah. Don't fucking send it back. That's, That's shitty. Dude. The twins tried to comfort their mom by calling Percy a humongous pile of rat droppings. That's nicer than I had in mind, so there's I that. I think she just cried harder, though. Yeah. Because they said it didn't work. Yeah. And that Lupin has taken over trying to comfort her, so... They just kind of hightailed it out of there and figure it's best to wait. That would be the right call, I believe, in this case. Sure. Fred then changes the subject to ask what Dobby's painting's supposed to be, (laughs) saying that it looks like a gibbon with two black eyes. And at this point, George sees what's written on the back. It's a portrait of Harry. It's like a Picasso. There we go. Yeah. Maybe Dobby is the next Picasso. Maybe. It's abstract, damn it. Fred grins. Mm-hmm. Says it's a good likeness. So Harry throws his homework planner at him. And what I do love about this homework planner is that when it hits the wall and falls open, it actually like talks. Oh, God. Don't save it for later, you big second raider. <laughs> God. If my planner talked to me like that, I'd probably throw it across the room too. Yeah. But if, it's funny. If the thing that's across the room is the garbage can. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, they all get up and get dressed and head downstairs, hoping that the coast is now clear. And they can hear, like, other people in the house yelling Merry Christmas to one another. And they meet up with Hermione on the stairs. And she thanks Harry for the numerology book that he got for her, which I would love to know how he knew what book to get her. Because she says that she's been wanting that one for a while. Do you think she drops hints? I mean, obviously, she sent him a link to her Amazon wish list. Accurate. Yes. Right. Nice callback. You're welcome. (laughs) And Harry is clearly the better gift giver because she then tells Ron that the perfume he got her is really unusual. (laughs) That's a very nice way to say unusable. (laughs) (laughs) Accurate. Yeah. And then Ron, of course, is completely clueless as to what unusual means and just says, no problem. Like, that wasn't a thank you, Ronald. Oh, Ron, honey, baby, sweetie. But he notices that Hermione is carrying another wrapped package and wants to know who that's for. And she explains that it's for Creature. And Ron says, it better not be closed. You know what Sirius said. And she mm-hmm. says, I know it's not closed. It's a patchwork quilt. I thought it might brighten up his bedroom. Harry wonders what bedroom. Right. Because I'm sure they've explored all of the rooms cleaning in there. Yeah. And she explains that Sirius called it more of a den that he sleeps under the boiler in the cupboard that's right off the kitchen. So it's like the one door they've never opened. That's a closet. 
Which gives him and Harry something in common. I was going to say. <laughs> they have something they can bond over now. Yep. Like, you lived in a closet? I, I lived in, in a, a closet. closet. Small world. But when they make it down to the kitchen, Mrs. Weasley's the only one they see in there. And she wishes them a Merry Christmas, but sounds like she has a bad head cold. So they're all just like, yeah, Merry Christmas. I'm not going to look at you right now. I don't want you to start crying again. Right. And Hermione thinks they should knock on Creature's Cupboard door. So Ron does and there's no answer and they just decide to open it up and check. Mm -hmm. And inside there's a whole bunch of rags and blankets and like food crusts and it kind of smells and there's little glints of metallic objects and Harry figures it's all of the stuff that he's squirreling away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything that he's tried to save from the purge. Mm -hmm. And Hermione ultimately just thinks, I'm just going to leave this here. Yeah. He can find it later. That'll be all right. Yeah. And when they come out of the cupboard, Sirius is coming out of the pantry. So I don't know if he was just there the whole time or <laughs> what was going on. But he sees where they're coming from and wants to know if any of them have actually seen Creature lately. Because at this point, they're all starting to realize that the last time they saw him was when Sirius ordered him out yeah. of the kitchen. Because he wasn't there for that breakfast. Yep. Sirius kept calling him and being mm -hmm. like, come make us some food, fucker. And he So he's been up. gone yeah. for over a day now. Mm-hmm. And it's starting to get a little sus. It's going on to two days almost at this point. Yeah. Sirius is a little bit concerned, but figures he's just hiding somewhere upstairs and says he'll look for him later. And Harry actually worries that he left. Mm -hmm. Sirius replies that he can't leave unless he's been given clothes and harry points out that that's not actually the case because dobby was able to leave yeah like he can't leave for good but he can, he can take leave. day trips yeah. yeah and this just makes Sirius a little bit more concerned for a moment mm -hmm. and then he's just like nah i'll find him later it'll be a whatever he might be just crying over my mother's old bloomers or something or you know maybe he crawled into an airing cupboard and died but i mustn't get my hopes up <laughs> Which, of course, makes Fred, George, and Ron all laugh because they're delightful, but also kind of heartless little bastards. Right. Sure. And Hermione, who can be a pain in the ass, but has her heart in the right spot, just gives Sirius a reproachful look. Because what else are you going to do at right. that point? Sure. Yeah. And absolutely none of that happened in the movie, by the way. Yeah, not a lick of it. Nothing. The one thing <laughs> we mentioned was that reference to the weapon that Voldemort may have been after, and that even wasn't in this section. Even that, yeah, that was... Nope. One could make the case that this movie scene lines up better with part of the second half of the chapter, but it also still doesn't line up at all. So I mean, we're just going to talk about it here. Cause... Yeah, like we were saying earlier, it doesn't really fit in at all. So this was the timestamp. This is what we're doing. Right? It's just... This is getting worse and worse as this movie and book go on, honestly. But in the movie... It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Because it is! Christmas! Yay! It's Christmas at Grimmauld Place. So, ding! Ish. Ish. It's a ding-adjacent type sound. Yes. It's like somebody took the ringer out of the bell and they're shaking it. <laughs> <laughs> but we see some kids playing in the snow outside and an old couple walking in the snow. And it all looks cozy and jolly. And then we go inside Grimmauld Place, and most of the Weasley children, plus Hermione, of course, are watching this creepy little Santa fly around on a broom. Yeah, 
does Santa fly on a broom in the Wizarding World? Because that's even less logical than a flying sleigh. I mean, you know that his Santa bag has an extendable charm on it. Well, yeah. Now I'm imagining reindeer flying on brooms pulling a sleigh. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably just move on because we yeah, can really isn't... go down the rabbit hole on this. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Molly then excitedly announces the return of Arthur as she pushes him into the table in his wheelchair. And it's just so cute because she's like, Daddy's back. Yeah. And just, I Aww. love it. I love it so much. And Arthur's still looking rough as fuck, but his purple paper crown does at least make him look festively rough as fuck. Look, yeah. Basically. Yeah. It's like a very jovial rough as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Rough as fuck with stars. There's sweaters and scarves and, of course, a nice big box for Ron, which is weird. Big box. A big box for you. Yes. <laughs> they emphasize that. More than once. Very oddly, yes. Like, it almost sounds like an inside joke. That is a terrible thing to call Hermione. <laughs> Ellen. 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 <laughs> Oh, goodness. Oh, my word. Okay. <laughs> oh, my stars, oh, my Ellen. Stars. Ellen, you dirty little thing, you. I love it. But inside of the nice big box for Ron is a furry vest type thing. Which is so weird because in the books, she has only ever made them sweaters. They get new sweaters yeah. every year. What is this furry vest? What are these scarves and hats and gloves? The no. scarves and hats and gloves I can understand. Give but me a Weasley sweater, damn it. The furry vest has me thrown. Was it the furry vest or was it the big box? I mean, it was the furry vest in the big box. Oh my god, I'm just getting so many... We need to move on from the furry vest in the big box. <laughs> Ooh. Anyway, at this point, Harry chooses the right time to come in because Molly just bounds up to him with a gift and loves up on him a bit as only Molly can. He looks a bit overwhelmed, but happy to be so. Yeah. Like, it's kind of a moment where he's taking in the love. Just... But also feeling like he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And as Harry opens up his gift, we see Sirius standing in the doorway behind him. Mr. Weasley then announces a toast to Harry as he raises his glass and says he wouldn't be here without him. Needless to say, this leaves Harry feeling super awkward, considering, in his mind at least, he's the reason everything happened to begin with, so... Awkward! Harry looks massively uncomfortable as everyone toasts to him and his amazingness. <laughs> he's just like... Oh. Stop thanking me, I'm fucked up! Exactly, like, guys... Please, come on. But he looks around and he locks eyes with his dog father, who's standing behind him at that point. And Sirius winks at him like only Sirius can. I mean, I'm not complaining about getting a wink I am from not. Sirius as no. played by crazy Gary Oldman. Right? If you'll excuse me, I just need a moment to recover. Right. But it is a little odd to wink at Harry like that. Yeah. But anyway. Hang on, I gotta get past the wink. Okay, whew, I feel better now. <laughs> we then cut to Ron and Hermione walking down the stairs as Ron bitches about his Christmas gift and Hermione seems to kind of taunt him. I feel like 
fourth movie and on, Hermione's delivery of lines just often sounded very bitchy. Yeah. And every time she says Ronald, it just, it was annoying. It was very much so. And not to mention the fact that they were playing Ron as such a dumb little asshole. Yeah. Knowing book Ron, you're like, okay, Hermione, you need to back up. But then seeing movie Ron, you're kind of like, okay, Ron, you kind of deserve yeah. that. Like, in this, he's totally bitching about the gift that his mother made him. It was shitty. And he's being a little asshole. And so you're kind of like, well, Hermione kind of deserves to be an asshole back right. to him. But why did they have to make Ron an asshole in the first place? Exactly. <clears throat> Yates. Ew, David. Ew. Ew, David. Right? I don't know. Fucking movie. But meanwhile, Harry, who was following behind them down the stairs, he veers off at the bottom of the steps when he sees an open door and his metal senses activate. Which is fair. Open yeah. door. Right? You're just like, ooh. Apparently I haven't been to a room he hasn't looked in yet. Right. Unless, of course, you're reading the book, in which case we already had this scene. Exactly. So as we've already seen in the book, the room is just covered in this big-ass tapestry that almost looks more like woven wallpaper and is decorated with, like, a giant family tree. A-plus for the design flex on this. Oh, Mina Lima killed on the designs for everything. Like, when reading the book, I had my own thoughts about what this looked like in my head. But then the way that they designed this and the way that it looked on the screen, it was amazing. It really did look good. It was incredible. I was just kind of going, holy shit, the Black family would have this. This yeah. is exactly how it should have looked. Like, I mean, the book made it seem like it was only one wall, not the entire yeah. room, but I didn't mind it. I kind of like that it seemed to show how old the Black family is because it went all around the room like yeah. that. But Harry is momentarily distracted by Creature who had been chilling in the room, being his usual cantankerous self, looking like, you know, Umbridge's naughty bits directly after a week-long orgy. <laughs> You'll never look at Creature the same way again, will you? <laughs> I need a minute. The look on your face. You okay now? No. <laughs> Better just keep going. I'm just going to need a few minutes. <laughs> But yeah, so Creature looks pretty nasty. But he addresses Harry, calling him a nasty little brat, before realizing which nasty little brat he actually is, and then refers to him by name and calls him the boy who stopped the Dark Lord, friend to mudbloods and blood traitors alike. Which really, that's kind of the biggest accidental compliment he could give to Harry. Yeah, Harry's just like, hey man, you're creepy, but thanks. Right? I did do that. I am friends with those people. Like you say that like it's a bad thing. Yeah. Thank you. Creature just continues his rambling until Sirius appears on the stairs and tells him to just fuck right off. Which, again, previous chapter, but kind <laughs> of a ding to when Sirius told him to fuck off from the kitchen. True. That is the closest thing we have yeah, to similarity. Again, muted ding right there. <laughs> Creature does his usual sarcastic muttering about living to serve as he walks away. Sirius makes his way into the room and tells Harry, never mind that little shit heel because he's always been a twat waffle. Yeah, which I don't think anybody seeing him would think he's lying. No, no. He looks like he's always been a little twat waffle. You don't grow into that. You just are born that way. Right. Anyway, <laughs> this is where we cut off the movie section and we previously ended 
the first half of the book chapter. Mm-hmm. So the episode is coming to an end. And we don't really have any new actors to talk about because very little happened here. Yeah. No one we haven't already seen. Yeah. We might have if they had actually, you know, covered the book chapter. Sure. But, but why would don't. they do that? Yeah. <laughs> why would we do that? That's just silly. So let's just go right on to the Potter Pondering. Mm-hmm. Which this week it is, what are your thoughts about the movie not giving us that bonding moment between Harry and Ginny about Harry possibly being possessed by Voldemort? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Get it to us by Wednesday if you want it to be in the next episode. And if you don't make that deadline or don't want it in the episode, don't forget you can also stitch your response on TikTok or just respond on social media. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. This will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from our friend and fellow Harry Potter podcaster, Zach from Belated Binge. And since he's a podcaster, we just let him record his own. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. Hi, for fuck's sakes, friends. It's Zach from Belated Binge, your fellow Potter podcaster, dropping in with my, pause for dramatic music, Sorting Hat story. So it all began many years ago when a man and woman fell in love. Not not my parents. We're not that's a completely different story. No, I'm talking about me and my wife, because despite the fact that I am the same exact age as Harry in the movie Timeline, and being made fun of pretty much my whole life for looking like Harry Potter, when I picked these things up as a kid, I just didn't stick with it. It wasn't until I was in 25, 26, somewhere in that ballpark. My wife and I had been together dating for a few years. We had just gotten into our first condo together with our own place. And when I would come home from work at night, instead of turning on sports like I would do all the time, I was trying to find something that the two of us might be able to watch together, or at least have up as background noise, because my wife does not care about sports. And one of those things was often the Harry Potter movies. When sci-fi or whatever, Freeform or whatever station had it, they would always do those Harry Potter marathons. And obviously, I didn't know what the hell was going on. So I asked a lot of questions. And the default answer that she would give me to these questions after a while was... You'd have to read the books. It's better in the books. And after telling me that about a thousand times, I read the books. And then I read them again. And again. And I found podcasts. And YouTube videos. And I took the Potter No More quizzes. Multiple times, actually. They informed me that I am a Ravenclaw, perhaps with some Gryffindor leanings. My wand is maple, 12 and 3 quarter inches, with dragon heartstring, rigid flexibility apparently a high achieving and powerful wand who knew and my patronus is a manx cat which is tailless hopefully that doesn't also mean spineless because that could not be great going up against dementors when i imagine that'll happen to me in real life anyways then cursed child came out and i got super excited for a minute and then i read it and i wished it hadn't but Then Potter was redeemed when my daughter was born, and for the first 
roughly year to two years of her life, she fell asleep to the Sorcerer's Stone movie every single day. And then I started my podcast, and I met a bunch of other just awesome Potter podcasters. So now, after all of that, about a year into Belated Binge, I feel pretty good about calling myself a Potterhead. Thank you so much for sending us your Sorting Hat story, Zach. Yes, thank you. And check out his podcast, Belated Binge. It's pretty awesome. It's good times. My favorite episode was personally the one that we were on, but, you know, everyone's got their own idea of their favorites (laughs) (laughs) and if any of the other keepers out there listening would like us to read your sorting hat story on a future episode you can email it to us at for podcast at gmail.com let us know your house wand patronus how you got into harry potter and anything else you might want to share with us or you can message it to us over social media this week's trivia question is who continues to write to Gilderoy Lockhart even though he is in the hospital with memory loss? The first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word hashtag who am I will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at forfoxsakepodcast at gmail.com to let us know you did and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pod. Following us on Podbean at foxsakepod.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. You can also go to our website at forfoxsakepodcast.com to check out our For Fox Sake and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random videos. If you would like to support us as a patron, you can sign up on patreon.com slash foxsakepod. $2 and up a month will get you some awesome perks like For Fox Sake swag, access to patron-only Facebook groups, chats, our Discord channel, virtual hangouts, and more. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated even if it's just telling your Harry Potter friends about us. And if you don't have any Harry Potter friends, there's another reason to join our Patreon, because you will meet some of the best Harry Potter people ever. I mean, just the best people ever, really. There's that too. Period. End of sentence. And join us next week when we talk about the second half of Chapter 23, Christmas on the Closed Ward, and the film scenes that sort of correspond with a much earlier section. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. And in the meantime... Keep calm and hairy on! Oh, for fuck's sake.